Good morning. Well, that gospel ended on a wrenching note. Many are invited, but few are chosen. Unfortunately, it's one of those lines in the Bible that often gets misread and misunderstood and misused in predominantly two main ways. It's cited by some who feel it necessary to exclude people from the church. And it's used as a mantra by those who are convinced that the kingdom of heaven is something that has to be earned by those few who jump through the right hoops and thus will be chosen. But once you take a look at what really is happening, and after all, it's a parable, so it's always many layers of meaning, you'll begin to see what the true message of Christ is. For this week's gospel is all about the choices we make, the ramifications of those decisions, and the invitation that's out there for all people. See, it's important to keep in mind the context of the parable and to whom Jesus is really speaking to. For he's back in Jerusalem and he's teaching in the temple using parables. And his message these past few weeks has been aimed at the chief priests and Pharisees who, feeling threatened by Christ, began this dialogue by asking Jesus, who gave him the authority to teach as he does? Instead of a direct answer, Jesus tells them a series of three parables, all focused on choices made. Jesus is attempting to get their attention to think differently, to choose differently, to open their eyes to his teachings of the kingdom of God. See, we began this triptych of parables two weeks ago, and each story has been building upon the other as Jesus uses words and imagery to jolt the priests and Pharisees, culminating with the shocking ending of today's gospel, the words of exclusion, that only some are chosen. See, this concept of God supposedly choosing some and not others was something deeply rooted in the beliefs of the Pharisees, not Jesus. And it's still carried by many today. But the point that Jesus is making in the parable, it's not God who's doing the choosing. It's all of us. So let's just take another look at the gospel and see what I mean. Whereas the past two parables were set in the vineyard, this week's parable carries the setting of the wedding banquet. And in first century Jerusalem, it was customary that one throwing out the wedding would basically send out a save-the-date notice just like we do today. Then as the wedding drew nearer, another invitation would go out. And some historians even say that it was the tradition for the person throwing the party as a gift to provide clothing for the people to wear. And since the king was hosting the party, you have to assume the first ones invited were the elite of society. And there was fully an expectation that they will come. And yet, no one comes. So the king sends out his servants to remind those who were on the A-list, you got to come to the feast. But they already had made the decision not to come. And instead, they slay the messengers. So in retribution, the king sends out his troops and burns their city. Knowing that he still had a feast that had to be eaten, the king decides the first batch of invitations must have gone to the wrong people. They were the unworthy ones. 
So he sends his servants out again, this time invite anyone you can find, good and bad alike. Carlo, myself, all of you. And soon the hall is filled with all kinds of people. But one character decides he's going to show up without wearing the wedding clothes he's most likely given. And to not accept the gift and wear the clothes was rude and offensive. Thus he didn't pay the slightest respect to the host, and in his own way, he made the decision to not fully accept the invitation that was given to him. So that you've got to keep in mind, Jesus is telling the story directly to the religious and political leaders who are questioning his authority. For they are the ones insisting that they are God's gatekeepers. They will determine who gets in and who doesn't. And they have no interest in listening to Jesus' teaching about love and respect and compassion, much less inclusion. In this parable, they are the ones who are being likened to the king, not God. Jesus uses the character of the king who's driven by anger and vengeance and exclusion to draw a clear contrast to his own teaching of a peaceable kingdom which operates on an entirely different foundational principle, one of mercy. And the two, they're radically different. These last verses of the story, who some theologians feel kind of got added on later to the parable, it was Christ's way of saying to the Pharisees that even they too, they've been invited, but they're too arrogant. And they're too focused on their position of power and feeling, feeding their image and their ego and fixated on fostering a culture of separation and exclusion, which facilitates their desire for a division among the people, increasing their own sense of self-worth. So what are we supposed to walk away with today? What's the message for us this morning? Actually, the answer was given to us in the first reading, where Isaiah says, On this mountain the Lord of hosts will provide for all peoples a feast of rich food and pure choice wines. On this mountain he will destroy the veil that veils all peoples, the web that's woven over all nations. He will destroy death forever. And the Lord of God will wipe away the tears from every face. The inclusive language clearly signals the table's been set. The feast is provided for all people. You know, here at St. Paul's, we do a great number of weddings. One reason is we have a beautiful Gothic church, which you know, the brides and grooms love. But I think another key reason is because we welcome couples who come to us with a variety of life situations. Couples like many of us who made all kinds of decisions in their lives, some messier than others. But they want to come before God and community and family and profess their love for each other and for God, promising to raise their kids in the faith. Now, early on in his papacy, you may have remembered, Pope Francis presided over the marriage of 20 couples in a historic wedding ceremony in Rome. Notably, uh, among the couples married at the Mass were some who had children, some who were already cohabitating, 
and some who had been previously married. In an act of compassion, Francis married the couples whose circumstances reflected the reality of modern premarital habits. You know, this set the tone for subsequent years of work within our church in Rome on how we can better respond to the many challenges of family life with mercy and compassion. And with so many things our Pope's done since his election, it's an invitation aimed at all of us to have people have Christ as the center of their life. See, that's the core takeaway today's gospel. The invitation is there for all. But the choice, it's yours, it's mine, as to what we do with it. So we can take the hand of a loved one and, and join the party, or we can decide to opt out of the king's wedding and choose to be miserable and selfish and divisive by judging others and thus reject the invitation to the banquet. But despite what you and I do, God's still throwing a party, and we're still invited. The feast will continue with or without you. So I can stand up here and preach to my heart's content about God's love, and I do so for many reasons. But it always carries the footnote. We are the ones who need to respond to that invitation with love and joy and compassion and generosity and pure surrender. See, our response matters. Our behavior matters. The words we use matter. Our participation matters. Our intentions matter. And certainly, our actions matter. The kingdom of God is an open invitation for you and for me and for all people. It's not something to be earned. Rather, it's a gift. It's right here. It's right now. So it's your call. Your choice. You decide.